3: For full, important safety information, visit juviderm.com.
1: I went to buy a 40-inch Samsung TV on Craigslist, called the guy, and he gave me the full readout exactly like the ad and pictures. Everything looked legit, so I didn't mind meeting at his house. I ride with my brother. It's important to note that we are both very white, but physically fit so it wouldn't be necessarily easy to jump us, and my brother had a concealed carry permit with a Glock 40 in its holster in his pants. We were riding his Mercedes and following Apple Maps as we got further and further into the bad part of town. We pull up out front of a very run-down house with five huge dudes out front, and inside were two pit bulls barking like they were possessed I love pit bulls, but it doesn't make that any less scary when they're not well-behaved. I go up and introduce myself, and they inform me that they have to go pick up the TV from their mom's house, and told me I could stay there with their friend. We did even though we thought it was odd, especially because four guys went instead of just one or two. We waited outside and talked to the guy who was actually pretty cool, and about 40 minutes later they pull back in. Two of the guys had on ski masks, the TV was under a blanket, and when they took it out to plug it in to show me, it works got to love the salesmanship. I could clearly see that it was a 32-inch Emerson TV that they clearly just stole from someone's house in that same ghetto. The dogs were barking so loud I could barely hear them, and the five of them started to wall us off from the door, and instinctively I just yelled. I can't do this, You said it was a Samsung, and my brother and I just took off to the car. My brother cranked it up and said, Good idea, but if they come too close, there's another gun in the glove box. And they started walking closer to the car, and my brother did a fast and furious-style J-turn and peeled out. I went straight to Best Buy and bought one new, F that. Always meet at a neutral place in public. I bought a soul on Craigslist. I'm a 24-year-old ginger male. In high school, I was the only redhead in my little Missouri town. I had long, super curly hair. I was fat and awkward. My braced teeth were still very crooked, and I hated myself. Nobody really liked me. While most people limited themselves to not talking to me, I had two actual bullies who would steal my lunch money and make a mockery of everything that I did. Of course, these kids were popular and had good grades and generally good interactions with everybody else as far as I know, so it was very hard to convince teachers that they were causing me actual harm, and they got away without ever facing serious consequences. I was frequently told that I had to stand up to them, but how could I? Anyway, since this is relevant, let's pretend that the first was called John and the other Dave. Thankfully. Being a nerd paid off, and I'm now employed at a tech company in the Seattle area, earning a six-figure salary. Also I'm not fat anymore, and nowhere nearly as awkward. South Park aired the Ginger Kids episode on November 9 of 2005. I remember it very well because that triggered a series of bullying episodes. Several people had seen the show and started saying that I had no soul, and that I shouldn't be allowed to eat in the cafeteria. Then several more people who probably hadn't seen the show but who thought they were funny started piling more crap on me. The theme lasted for a few weeks. I won't elaborate too much because I don't like to remind myself of that part of my life. Still, to this day, people joke that I have no soul once in a while. Most of them don't mean any harm, though I can't say that I like it. The last instance of that came up about two weeks ago when a friend posted a link to a Craigslist ad on my Facebook wall. He wrote, You should get that, and the ad was about a soul for sale in the Seattle area. The description read along the lines of Soul in a bottle for sale. Asking $20. At first, I rolled my eyes and dismissed it, but then it occurred to me that this might be an occasion to take control of the narrative. If somebody joked that I didn't have a soul, I could joke back that I bought one off Craigslist. At the very least, that would make a funny story to tell around drinks the next time I'd hang out with the guy. So I thought, what the hell, might as well. I can afford to spend more money on dumber things. So I called the guy and told him that I was interested. The seller lived in an unfavored neighborhood north of Seattle. If I hadn't seen the television playing through the window, I could have sworn that it was abandoned. The lawn was gravely unkempt. As I walked closer to the front door, I spotted compressed gas cylinders disorderly lying around under the front patio and I wondered what that was doing there. It kind of smelled like cat pee too. I didn't feel very safe. I've heard a ton of stories of guys getting mugged or killed during Craigslist transactions and I realized that I was in the perfect spot for this. The conscious part of me was thinking that I should never have been there in the first place. The unconscious part of me, for an inexplicable reason, decided to knock on the door at the same time. I kind of froze there and wondered what the F I had just done. I decided that for sure, if nobody answered within 30 seconds, I'd just go back home. No more than 10 seconds later, I decided that 10 seconds was actually enough, and I turned back to my car. But just as I was getting into the driver's seat, I noticed a black guy running down the street. He waved frantically his hand to catch my attention, and I noticed that he was holding a small mason-style jar. So he caught up to me and caught his breath, and then asked me if I was didn't check source. The following is super weird, and I think that the guy had mental issues. He talked more than what I'm reporting, but it sounded like a word salad to me. I thought I was good at remembering discussions, but I figure that I'm actually only good at remembering meanings and I couldn't really find a meaning in the discussion, so I don't remember it very well. But basically, here's what happened. I said yes I didn't check source, and he said something like, oh that's great. I asked him if he lived there and told me that no, he just thought it was a safer place to meet. He headed for the passenger seat and tried to open the door, which was locked. He knocked on the window like he wanted me to open the passenger side door, and I let him know that this wasn't going to happen. He asked me if I wanted him to drive instead, and I told him that this was definitely not going to happen. He looked confused and told me that he needed to get to downtown Seattle. I told him that this wasn't in the ad, and he never told me that, but that I could call him a taxi and he could go with the money that I was about to pay for the item, but that just made him very upset. He told me that he needed the ride and the money. I told him that the deal was off and started the engine. He angrily looked at me, sent me the finger, and threw the jar in the lawn. Then he walked away, occasionally turning back to yell, F you. I was scared, but for some reason I didn't leave right away. Instead, when I couldn't see him anymore, I got out of my car, walked to the spot where he threw the jar, and I picked it up. It wasn't broken, and it looked just like a small, mundane, empty, sealed mason jar. The absurdity of the situation hit me while I was inspecting it. I put myself in danger just to get an empty bottle, and it's not like you could put fairies in them in real life that would heal you when you were about to die. I still took it with me and got back to my car. As I looked back, I swear that I saw a figure in the house where I had knocked. While I was driving, I was becoming more and more aware of how careless I had been. The paranoia made me feel like I was being watched all the way home. No one was following me, but it just felt like there was something out there. When I finally got there, I popped a beer open to relax. I still couldn't get rid of the feeling that I was being watched. I put the jar on my kitchen countertop and took a photo of it. I posted it in reply to my friend's wall post and wrote, I nearly died to get this. After posting the photo and looking at it closer, I found that the flash made a reflection that looked like a tiny face on the bottle and thought that it was kind of funny in a weird way. Over the next days, I proudly declared to my friends that I now had a soul, and showed off the little jar. I told them that it couldn't be opened or the soul would become free. While I couldn't erase the uneasy feeling surrounding the circumstances of how I got it, I did get a kick from telling the story, and people thought that me having a soul in a jar was actually funny. So mission accomplished, I guess. I kept the jar in my room. At some point during the week, as I was arguing with strangers on the internet, some thought crossed my mind, and that thought was literally just "Hey, I find that my brain can express ideas much faster than language. For instance, when I think about a concept, it's like the whole thought already exists in my brain, and that thought is then translated into English thoughts that are echoed back in my mind at a slower pace. Even though I spin up a whole sentence to describe an idea... That idea existed beforehand and didn't really need to be translated. Maybe you felt that or are aware of that too. It's kind of hard to explain. Well, that hey thought crossed my mind as one of these basic thoughts, and it was super strange because it felt like it didn't come from me. It's not like hearing a voice, but I'm going to admit that the effect is similar. I wondered if I was crazy and paused for a second, and I felt another hey going through my mind. I looked at the bottle, and then a much more complex idea flashed in my mind. You said you could free me if you opened the bottle. Is that true? I was extremely surprised and didn't know what to think. Answer? For a few seconds. And keep in mind that I'm not hearing this. It's just flashing through my brain as some definitive, unambiguous idea that is not bound by language, and that I'm just poorly transcribing here. The voice continued. If you free me, I'll punish. Seek retribution from. your bullies from high school. I'll right the wrongs. I definitely thought that I was crazy. Was this bottle actually talking to me? In my head? The voice had completely stopped. I wasn't sure what to do, so I took the jar and slowly unscrewed the lid. As it was opening, there was the same kind of PS shit that there is when you open a soda bottle, except that it was much longer. It probably lasted for over 15 seconds, actually. And then, nothing. I completely undid the lid anyway, but absolutely nothing else happened. I woke up one morning just a few days later to find that John had died in the freakiest accident. Apparently, he would sleepwalk once in a while, and that night, around 2 a.m., he found himself just outside his apartment in boxers. He lived above a convenience store, and the security cameras caught the entire event. As John was walking out, it looked like an invisible man was pulling his hand until he was in a specific spot, and then the high school bully stood there without moving. A few seconds later, a car hits a fire hydrant on the other side of the street, and the water pressure somehow sends the hydrant right into John's skull and crushes it against the wall. The driver had fallen asleep when he hit the fire hydrant. I looked at the open jar on my desk and wondered if it was possible that it had anything to do with that. I went on with my day with that thought on the back of my head. No, it wasn't possible, I thought, because souls may or may not exist, and if they do, it wouldn't make sense that you can trap them in a bottle. But still, through the day, I started wondering, what if it did? And I started worrying. Did I unleash some powerful spirit on my enemies? I hated them, and in any other circumstances I would have been, well, not happy, but kind of indifferent to hear that they had died but I couldn't really bear that they would have died because of me. Even if there was no link going back to me, especially since they still lived in Missouri, I couldn't get out of my head that this was maybe my fault and the guilt was consuming me. At the end of my work day, I decided to do something that I thought I would never do, and I found Dave's parents' contact information because I needed to know if he was still alive for my sake. This was so awkward that I spent several minutes writing down a little speech where I would present myself as a high school acquaintance of his who wanted to know what he was up to these days. I called and his mother picked up and as I was stumbling on my words she started to cry. Dave's been admitted to the hospital this morning on floor 14. I knew what she was talking about. Floor 14 is the psych ward of our high school town's closest hospital. She told me that he woke up completely delusional the day before. His speech made no sense at all. When he got to the kitchen and saw the jam, he completely freaked out and threw the jar on the ground, grabbed a piece of broken glass, and started slicing his veins open. His girlfriend, with whom he lived, called 911, and he had to be tranquilized to be brought to the hospital.
0: Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to Quince.com pack for free shipping and 365 day returns.
1: She also called his parents. So far, he had been diagnosed with a very sudden and very extreme psychosis. It had only been one day, but doctors could already tell that he was not responding very well to drugs. I was floored when I hung up. Out of my two bullies, one was dead and the other had gone crazy, a few days after I myself heard a voice that promised to F them up, seemingly from a bottle that I got from a crazy or drunk man. I grabbed the bottle and didn't know what to make of it. Last night I had a dream. I saw a silhouette that told me that he had filled his part of the agreement, But he found that he was still bound to the jar and couldn't pass. The silhouette asked me, with barely discernible impatience, when I planned to fulfill my part of the agreement. So, how do I free a soul trapped in a jar? I have reasons to believe that my well-being may depend on it. This ain't tea bad, really, but I had to dump a old but good car. Listed it. Lady wants me to drive it 50 miles to show it to her. I end up giving it to a friend's college-age kid. Let him pay when he can for two months. This lady is telephoning about three times a week saying she is coming down that day. Be there in an hour never shows. I usually can't get a word in past her manic talk to tell her the car is gone, but do so on several occasions. Finally she stops, and then maybe three weeks later, some old-as-hell guy shows up and wants that car. I just say, what car, like I don't know anything. He leaves, but I realize he could have only gotten my address from her. So a few months back, I was laid off from my job due to unforeseen circumstances on the part of the company. I sent as many resumes as I could for about a month, but got nothing in return. When my bank account began to dry out and my desperation took over i resorted to searching for a job on craigslist now i know what you're all thinking believe me i share the same eerie feeling to anything remotely related to them i myself heard a few tales from jobs gone wrong or almost but mind you i was desperate and practically broke rent in new york city is the stuff of nightmares and my only other options were selling my organs or turning into a cam girl and I'm neither healthy enough to have valuable insides or have the naked disposition to be, well, naked. I began my deep dive into the world of odd and potentially fatal job offers. Most were short-term low-paying gigs, but one in particular caught my attention. Full-time, live-in nanny needed for upper-class family, above-average salary. I clicked on it. My wife and I are looking for a full-time live-in nanny to help take care of our baby eight-months boy. We live in a five-acre state in Far Hills, New Jersey. Nanny will be well accommodated in a room of her choosing provided it's on the first floor where the rest of the staff resides and will have full assistance from the housekeepers. Nanny must have at least four years of experience with the care of infants. References will be needed and checked. Speak English fluently. No CPR and basic notions of emergency care. Tend to my child every need, knowing French is desired but not obligatory. If hired, the nanny will receive financial compensation of $1,000 per week always paid on Sundays at 5 p.m. Do not contact us with unsolicited services or offers. I didn't have most of that, but for one k per week, I could be a flying purple giraffe if they wanted me to. I convinced two of my friends to pass as former employees, and about the CPR thing, what were the odds of a toddler needing it anyway? I applied. He called me back the next day, wanting to arrange an interview in loco, he said. The house was a mansion. I couldn't even guess how many rooms it had, but it was pretty far away from the rest of the city. Mr. Leclerc was a somber-looking man with a weird gaze to him. Every time he looked at me his eyes did this thing, this continuous moving from side to side, this twitchy little shake, looking in me rather than at me. Honestly, it freaked me out, but luckily he traveled most of the time. Mrs. Leclerc, on the other hand, was a stay-at-home mom. She was much younger than him too, even though her sickly appearance probably added some years to her face. She spent most of her days locked inside her room in the dark, without talking to anyone. She was probably suffering from PPD, but wasn't being properly treated for it. One thing I forgot to mention, I wasn't actually allowed to care for the child. No, physically at least. His nursery was always locked, and on his father's absence, Anna was the only one with the key. It was her duty to care for the child, he said, but since she wasn't in her best health, I was to assist her with that. So my job was to glue myself to the baby monitor and at any sign of distress from the baby, I was to alert Mr. Leclerc, and she would tend to him. Anna was also unable to produce milk, so one of my duties was to prepare his formula so she could then feed it to him. Another weird thing. The house was filled with portraits and paintings of Mr. Leclerc on many different occasions, but none from Anna. The staff didn't say anything when I mentioned it, and she wasn't a great conversationalist even on her best days, so I dropped it. Maybe she was shy, maybe she had body dysmorphia, maybe she had a devil's soul inside her body and the photos would reveal her real identity. I didn't know and didn't care. Aside from having constant nightmares and waking up every morning feeling sore and a little foggy-minded, I had no complaints. The money was that good. Lucian was a quiet baby for the most part, except he would always have this exaggerated crying fits in the middle of the night and would only stop after Anna went there to comfort him. Always behind closed doors, of course. The weeks passed, and she looked sicker by the minute. I called the family doctor to check on her, but he simply said she needed to rest, and prescribed some sleeping pills and a couple of vitamins. The woman looked like the walking dead, not like someone who simply lost a few nights of sleep. My gut was telling me that something was wrong. If it was with her, or the baby, I didn't know but I was going to find out. Later that night I gave Anna double the dose of the sleeping pills, prayed she wouldn't die from it, and got the key from her bedroom when it finally worked. The room was lit by a small reddish lamp that circled the light on the walls. I could make out very little of the whole picture, mostly only him. The baby was a tiny immobile thing with pale too pale skin and frail limbs. For a hot minute I thought it was some sort of doll and she was never even pregnant in the first place. Or, God forbid, the baby was dead, and every day she was breastfeeding the corpse of what once was her child. Except I heard him crying every night, so it was definitely alive. I called out to him gently, because somehow it felt rude to get inside his room like that. But he didn't acknowledge any sound I made, and just stood there. One of his little arms moved, and then his fingers followed the motion. I was about to go into the other side of the crib so I could see his face when he started to cry uncontrollably. His voice reverberated inside my head in a way that made me dizzy. I rested my body against the dresser and saw a clock there, 3 a.m., sharp. In the corner of my eyes, I saw a figure standing by the door. I turned to it and found Anna standing in the doorway with a weird look in her eyes, distant. I was about to apologize and beg to still keep my job when she got in and passed me like I wasn't even there. The baby is crying, she said, picking him up and taking him to the rocking chair. He wants to be fed. As if trying to make up for my mistake and be useful, I went down the stairs to prepare his formula, but in the midst of it, his crying had stopped. When I got back, the door was slightly open, and I got in carefully, not wanting to make any more noise. I turned to give her the bottle and found Anna with a baby resting against her naked breasts. My heart sank. The poor girl was trying to feed him even though she didn't have a drop of milk inside of her. The bottle, I said lowly, but when she made no attempt to get it from my hands I moved closer and turned the small floor lamp beside the chair. A chill ran down my spine and I drooped the bottle on the floor. She was breastfeeding him. His little mouth moved relentlessly around her nipple, leaving trails of red around his grayish lips. She was breastfeeding him, only not with milk. My stomach curled into knots, and suddenly I felt like I couldn't breathe. What the F was going on there? The wooden floor creaked under my feet, and Lucian opened his eyes as if waking from deep sleep. He turned them towards me slightly, and once again I needed help standing up. They were as red as the blood on his lips. My mouth went dry. ''Isn't he beautiful?'' Anna said, caressing his face with her bony fingers. I ran out of there without looking back and got inside my car, not caring about any of my belongings I had left behind. When an involuntary force took over me and I looked back at the house, I saw Anna standing by the window, holding the baby. A shadow approached her from behind, and I soon found out to be Mr. Leclerc. He wasn't even supposed to be there. The thing waved at me as I drove away. A few weeks after that I got a new job. A decent real one, where I don't have to tend to creepy demon kids and their zombie mothers. I only have to deal with angry costumers from time to time, and I'm more than okay with that. Life isn't perfect money is still tight, and don't even get me started on the nightmares, but it's good, calm, or at least it used to be. The thing is, recently I began to lactate too, and it isn't milk. My family and I had planned a trip to New York to visit my grandparents. I have always looked up to my grandparents as they were always there for us when we needed it. On top of that, with them living in a big city like New York, there were many more activities for the family and me to do, which I saw as a plus. My parents had booked a flight on a late Monday night to save money, as this was around the time flights were starting to get more expensive. I remember us arriving at the airport with our carry-ons in the security section, where they make you take out your bags on the track and go through those big scanners as you see in airports. As we were in line waiting to go through, I noticed a man from the other lane staring at me. By the looks of it, he seemed to be alone and didn't appear to have any luggage other than those small drawstring bags. At first, I thought nothing of it. I mean, lots of people travel with limited belongings, but I got a weird vibe from him. By that point, we made it past the scanners while Tiesa was telling everyone to take off their shoes and to get the electronics out. It was about 11.45 at night, and we had until 12 before our plane started boarding passengers. We arrived at the gate and sat down, waiting for our group to be called so that we could board. However, after stupidly drinking tons of juice, I told my parents that I had to go to the restroom and then I'd be back. They were rightfully annoyed but said I could go but to hurry. I walked to the restroom area and into one of the stalls to do my business. Now the gate we were at didn't have many people, as there was only one flight, and the other gates surrounding us had no people at all. Given that it was a Monday, you can expect airports to be dead. So there I am on my phone playing a few games when I hear the bathroom door open and someone step in. I dismissed it as someone else and began to mind my own business when I looked up and thought I could see something through the crack of the stall door. It only took me a good second to realize that the thing I was looking at was an eye. The very second I saw it, I screamed at the top of my lungs, pulling off my pants and kicking the door open, pushing whoever it was to the ground. But once I saw who this person was, the anger in my body was beyond boiling. It was the same man from the terminal. I ended up delivering four blows to the man's head while screaming out in anger. To be honest, I didn't even know I was capable of doing that. Airport security had come into the bathroom, and once they saw what was happening, they took him away and escorted him out of the building with the police. My parents were obviously upset with the situation, which created a big commotion causing our flight to get delayed. The airport apologized to my family for what had happened and assured us that security would be tightened. How he got past the gate is unknown, and according to the police, he had also been carrying a two-inch pocket knife. In the U.S., it's extremely rare for someone to get past the gate, especially with a weapon. What I do know is that he clearly didn't have good intentions and that he had planned all of this out. I'm not sure where the man is now, but I'd like to think that he is either in jail or is getting the help he needs. This just goes to show you that nowhere is safe nowadays, especially for women and foreigners.